Well, hey, welcome to Kai Alpha! My name is Josh. I'm on staff with Kai Alpha. I'm actually married to the director, so, you know, I got it like that. Uh, we have four kids. Um, hopefully, they're all at home in bed right now, but who could say? Um, they are. Emma is 12. Right? She's in seventh grade. Wow. Emma reads at least a book a day. It is intense, okay? She reads more books in a day than some of you have read in your entire life. But that is a different... We'll be happy to talk about that in your one-on-one. -on -one. Uh, Levi is 10. Uh, he is in the fourth grade. Levi knows more about animals than any other human on the planet. Uh, he wants to one day when he grows up be a, yeah, he knows more about animals than he does about humans, I think, uh, but he wants to be uh, a wildlife photographer. Okay. It's really adorable, right? Uh, it's even better because when he said he wanted to be that, he didn't know that it was a job that you would get paid. He's like, I'm just willing to live off the land for the animals. We'll save them with my camera. I don't know what happened over there, but we're not coming back to it. Uh, Judah is seven, uh, and Judah is our most passionate child. Um, he is full of energy. Uh, he has a lot of fun, um, and he, uh, you should see him hit a golf ball or a baseball, or even better, uh, he's actually very good at field hockey. Um, he's actually quite good. Uh, he did hit some of the uh, field hockey players at the meet the team night. Yeah, he hit them in the shins. Um, full send. Full send with Judah. Uh, but even more than that, Judah would take any of you on in disc golf. Um, the kid can throw a frisbee. And I don't know how he flicks because I can't do it, but he can. Uh, and then we have Esther, who is five. She just started kindergarten. Uh, Esther's middle name is Joy, and that is correct. Um, she has a bundle of joy. She's a very social uh, being. Uh, she loves to ride her bike. She loves to play kitchen uh, and make-believe. And you can often find her walking around the house singing. Um, life is a Disney movie for her. Um, which is tough for us because in all those movies the parents die. Um, like, I mean, just think about every Disney movie you've ever seen, the parents are dead. Yeah. So, yeah, it's tough for. Yeah. Some of you are just now realizing that. I'm sorry that I, I've ruined all of your Disney movies. But, yeah, if you want to be a princess, that's what has to happen. Um, <laughs> you guys are all like, wow. There's so much happening. But hey, we are at the beginning of the semester, right? Some of you are at the beginning of your college career. Some of you, like this is just another semester. But we are at beginnings. And what I love about beginnings is that beginnings are filled with anticipation. Beginnings are filled with the excitement. There's a blank slate, and we'll be able to write whatever we want on it. We can see what could happen. There's so much potential at the beginning of every semester. That's why right now you cannot find a bench at UREC. 
Amen. Amen. Right? Because we, there, there is so much potential in that beginning. Like, I'm, this is the semester that I'm going to work out every day. If you are hoping for a bench, just, I mean, we got like three more days and then they'll all be open. Don't worry, okay? You give it till this weekend and they will never come back. Okay, like beginnings are like this chance for us to like to, to like our first impression, right? Like the beginning that when we first meet someone, we want to put the right foot forward. We want to say the right thing. When we filled out our resume, some of you are seniors. You're like, did he say resume? The beginning of that, yeah. <laughs> well, you know, uh, like your cover letter. What? What's that? <laughs> guys, okay, uh, all right. So <laughs> turns out we're going to be teaching our transition seminar called Springboard uh, earlier this year to help you all prepare. Um, and it's like, what is going to happen? Chip and Dan Heath, uh, in their latest book, said that beginnings are the things that we remember most. And they say that when you look back on your four years of college, or for some of you, maybe even five, um, <laughs> victory lap, yeah! <laughs> 40% of your memories will be from the first six weeks. Your first day of work, you will remember, if it was underwhelming or overwhelming. Your first this, your first that. A first impression can go a long way. Beginnings matter. This is why some of the most famous books that we know have big-time beginnings. As the slate is blank... The authors take their time to write something very important that is very memorable at the beginning. Dickens says, it was the best of times, it was the worst of times. That's from Tale of Two Cities. There's a few English majors in the room, or, or some of you that actually read the books that you were supposed to in high school. Others of you, right? Jeez Louise. Melville starts with, call me Ishmael. It's Moby Dick. You guys, you can, you're allowed to yell them out loud if you know them. If you don't, then I'll tell you the answers. Uh, Lewis says, once there were four children, Peter, Susan, Edmund, and Lucy. Yeah, it's actually called Lion, the Witch, in the Wardrobe. Um, Rowling says, Mr. and Mrs. Dursley of number four, Privet Driver. Yeah, okay. Uh, Styles says, holding me back. Gravity is holding me back. Yes, as it was. And uh, my girl Swift says, it feels like a perfect night to dress up like hipsters. Yes, 22, right? Yes, of course. And so beginnings matter. The first line, as we write things out, like as we have a blank slate, those beginnings matter. I remember a time when I had a blank slate and it was a new beginning and it was like, this is going to be it. This is the moment that I've been waiting for. Okay, I grew up in a small town, you know, like one of those one high school towns. Like, okay, there was more than one stoplight. Some of you are actually from one stoplight towns and wow. <laughs> but I grew up in a one high school town. Okay, we grew up in what we would call like out the outskirts of town like we would call it going to town like hey i'm gonna go to town today do you need someone just laughed at me <laughs> um, i remember when i got to college and i saw a trash truck for the first time i was like wait they pick up your trash you don't want to just take it to the dump or burn it out back 
what do you mean? Okay, yeah, it's like, what kind of house? What did your parents do to you? Yeah, it was weird. We couldn't see our neighbors. Like, our house was like one Forest View Drive, Forest View Drive. Our neighbors were 53 Forest View Drive, right? It's like, I think they might be through there. Like, in the winter, you could maybe see as all the trees lost their leaves. Okay, so the moment for me, as you might imagine, was when I got my license. Right? And it's like, okay, this is it. I no longer have to go where my parents said that I have to go. I no longer have to do the things that my parents said I was going to do. I am now, I'm a grown man. That's definitely not true. I was not, okay? Uh, And it's like, this was like the beginning. What am I going to do with this? What am I going to do with this newfound freedom? What am I going to do? And I was so excited to fill the emptiness that I felt like I had felt for the first 15 and a half years of my life. Like, it's like they had been dragging me around. I didn't have any friends. It's like, this is my chance. So, of course, I got a ticket within the first three weeks for going 80 and a 45. Uh, Let's go! (laughs) Nobody knows back roads like I know back roads. Um, Yeah, Officer Fogel, Raymond, as I know him when he's not in uniform. Small town, right? Like, he comes up, Josh. Officer Fogel, does your mom know you did this? No, but I bet she does when you get back to the car. Um, that's not in the notes. So I don't know why I'm telling you this. Okay, and so I got a ticket, and then it was like, okay, now it's like, well, I, I don't know. Like, I, I'm going to keep going. Like, I have these, this, this emptiness in my life, and so how am I going to fill it? And so I found friends for the first time, and those friends surrounded ar- around and by alcohol. It was just like small town, bonfires, backyards, fields. It's like, finally, something I can belong to. And then I realized, hey, this actually isn't even helping me at all. It's just driving me further into emptiness and loneliness. But it was like a way in which I was trying to fill it myself. And that's why I'm excited about the book that we're going to read this semester. That's why I'm excited about the passage that we're going to read this semester as we look in the Bible and see what the author of Genesis, what God, the God of creation, tells us about beginnings. When he had a blank slate, what did he do and how did he fill emptiness and void? And so if you have your Bibles, you can turn to page 1. We're going to begin reading in Genesis. If you don't have a Bible and you would like one, we have a box of free Bibles in the back. If you just throw your hand up in the air and wave it around like you just don't care, we will bring you a Bible. Sam, you're right there. You can grab them. And then you can have it. You can take it home. You can write it in if you want. Some of you are bringing the Bible up on your uh, version. I had a funny thing happen to me in version today. I brought it up, and it said, do you like the Bible app? Okay, this is the worst part of version, right? Because I'm like, okay, I know you're trying to get me to fill out five stars on the app store, app store but I don't really want to do that. And so I marked, no, I don't love the Bible app. And then it said, why don't you love the Bible app? And I was like, no thanks. <laughs> I dismiss until another day. Um, and so... Anyways, you guys are like, why is he telling me this? I don't know. I was just trying to give you time to turn to page one. So Genesis is the first book of the Bible, the first book of the Old Testament. Um, And Genesis itself means 
beginnings. The hard part about Genesis on a table like this is that the Bible is not ready to lay flat um, because it's just not heavy enough. Hmm. Stay. I thought Connor was going to come hold it for me, but he's not, so no, I do not <laughs> want you to do that. We're going to see throughout this semester different stories and the first time that something has happened in the known world. The first time that, that God is revealing himself. The first time that the narrator of Genesis is telling us about something that happens in the world. And we're going to see so many different beginnings as we go on this journey, on this adventure of faith uh, with the Israelites, with the people of God, with the people with whom God revealed himself to. And so I am excited to read this. We're going to read a lot, okay? So you can put your seatbelts on. Good job. Wow. <laughs> you guys are something else. Uh, but we'll start in the beginning because it seems like a very good place to start. It's from the sound of music. Good. There's something there. Okay, good. Yeah, good. It's good. That's another big. Yeah, anyways, uh, first one. It says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty, darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. Mm. I feel like we could stop right there, but we won't. We're going to continue. But first, I know that when we open up the book of Genesis and we talk about these first things, and we know what's going to happen. Some of you are looking ahead right now. I can see you doing it. And you're going to see we're going to begin to discuss the different days of creation. And when we talk about the book of Genesis, some of you are like different images and different thoughts come to your mind. Maybe you've grown up in the church your whole life, and we talk about the book of Genesis, and we talk about the relationship between Christianity and science, and you have already begun to cringe. You're like, he's one of them. Give me a moment, okay? Give me a moment. Some of you, 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 didn't, you didn't grow up in church. You just only heard things about the church, and you've heard things about what the, they think about science and what they think about religion, and do they mix, do they not mix? And you're like, is he one of them? And I don't even know how you exactly define them, but you have a them that you define them by. And some of you, as, as you think about the book of Genesis, you're like, I just have always really enjoyed the stories that are in it. These are stories that I grew up with. These are stories that I heard in Sunday school. These are stories that my parents read to me. These are stories that my friends read to me. And so I know that throughout this room, there are a lot of different ways in which we come to the text and, and like different like, um, preconceived thoughts that we have about the text as we come into it. And I'm going to invite you just to, just to set those aside just for a moment, and let's just come to the text as the text. And let's see what the text would say, and let's see what would happen as we read it together. So, let's go back and read that again. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. In the beginning, God. And I think that when we get down to it, as we start this beginning of a semester, as we start this beginning of our journey together, that this may be the most important phrase. In the beginning, God. Before there was anything else, that there was God. Before there was something that happened, there was God. God is the one who was there before all things. God is the one who was there at the beginning. And at the beginning of each and every one of your individual stories, wherever you find yourself tonight, God is there at this beginning. God was there at your beginning. God is there at this beginning in our text tonight. In 
the beginning God. The text says that God created the heavens and the earth, and I think that as we read this, what we need to understand is that the author of Genesis is explaining to us about who God is. Is he telling us that that God is a creator? God is creative. God loves creativity. God is the one who creates. And that is why we call him creator. And as we look out uh, at this beautiful sunset, I should have planned this for just a couple hours earlier. Uh, We can know that, that God is the one who has created all these things. Like we like live and walk at one of the most beautiful campuses, right? And as we see his glory, as we see his splendor, we know that God is a creator. And as we stand here on East Campus, oh yeah, there it is there. Oh, look at that. That's, that's, that's right straight from the Insta stories right there. Uh, I'm sorry, I'm more hip than that. That's probably on someone's Be Real. Uh, yes, thank you. Thank you. Yes. Yes, thank you, thank you, yes, yes, anytime, anytime, anytime. Um, So we're here on East Campus. East Campus is full of buildings of people who are figuring out how things work. As people who are figuring out things at the molecular level. Thanks, Paul. It's people who are figuring out how things work together, how, the earth, how, how these things are, are found in the earth and what we can do with them. And, and they are taking part in what God is about as they create, as they bring about order, as they see things as they are. This is who God is. If you are an art student... Woo, yes, wow, there's one of you. Uh, if you're in design, like these are the things that God loves because God is creative at his nature. He is creator at his nature. And as you create things, as you make things happen, as you get to the root of why things happen, you are taking part in the nature and character of God because this is who he is. And in the beginning, God. The text tells us that the earth was formless and empty, and that darkness was over the surface of the deep. Uh, the Hebrew I'm going to share with you here is tohu wabohu. <laughs> I share that with you just because I just think it's hilarious. <laughs> there's, there's no hidden meaning behind the Hebrew. It just means formless and empty. Okay, tohu wabohu. But it gives this image... You're, not, you're never going to forget this for the rest of your life. You're like, you're going to walk around, that's tohu wabohu. <laughs> you're going to walk down here to the bottom of the festival, uh, to the, and you've got that big like swamp field. You're like, yep, that's tohu wabohu right there. <laughs> when, you, when you go through Duke Alley right after it's rained, you're like, tohu wabohu right there. I'm not going in there. <laughs> don't, don't. Don't. That's a good way to get COVID. Um, <laughs> Or something much worse. Yeah, much worse. And it'll stick. It hangs around. Yeah. Uh, it's like glitter. Um, you just can't get rid of glitter. It's just always there. You can try to vacuum it up, but it's not going anywhere. I missed it. Sorry. Don't share it. It's okay. So Tohuwabohu is this sense like, like darkness, empty. It's the, it's the opposite of heavens and earth. Heavens and earth, when we think about the heavens and earth, we think about things that are full. Think about things that have life, that have breath, that have meaning. Tohu wabohu, darkness and empty. 
And as the Spirit of God hovers over the waters, it says that it, it, he hovers over tohu wabohu, the sense of darkness. And as the, as the Hebrew people would have heard darkness, as they would have heard, like, as he hovered over the seas and they were, it was full of darkness, it would have brought up images that, um, like, when, we, when they think of, of formless and empty and darkness, they, these would have been, like, very scary images to them. When they thought about the sea, it was an, it was an unknown thing, and, and they didn't, didn't have the, the advancements that we have as we, I mean, actually, I mean, honestly, let's, let's be real. The sea is kind of freaky anyway, right? Like, it's like, I can't see the bottom. I don't know what just touched me. I don't really want to know what just touched me, right? Like, how far does this go? How far does it go? How quickly does it go there? And there's this same sense that as, as they would have heard this, it would have been like, wow, like, there is chaos that the Spirit of God is hovering over. And when I picture the Spirit of God hovering over the waters, what I picture is Michael Phelps and Katie Ledecky. Uh, so I have a picture of them right here. There they are, right? This is what I picture, okay? When it comes to the Spirit of God, like there's this sense, it's like the beginning of a swim meet, okay? Uh, when I went to Boy Scout camp for my first time by myself, um, by myself, nope, there were a lot of other people there. It was not a camp for one. <laughs> Why would I say by myself? I don't know. Uh, for the first time, okay, there was a lake, and you had to swim in it. You had to swim out to the dock and swim back in order to get the swimming merit badge. Well, I made it most of the way there before the adult had to, to jump in and save me. Okay, so I, know I was never really on the swim team. Swim team was not a thing for me. Uh, it was for my wife, and so if you want to race her, she's willing to race you in the pool. Um, you can schedule those for Thursdays or Fridays. Um, and, but when I think about the Spirit of God hovering over the waters, this is the image that I have as they, as they stand at the blocks getting ready for the race. And you can feel like the anticipation that's in the crowd as they're like, is he going to win another gold medal? Is she going to break the world record again? How much are they going to beat everybody by? And then Michael Phelps does this big like arms thing. And I'm like, well, no wonder you can swim so fast. Your arms are 12 feet long. That doesn't seem fair. <laughs> mm. Again, uh, never mind. Um, and so it's like, it, and I believe that as, as the Hebrew people would have heard this story, as the narrator would have told them the story about the creation of the world, about what God did in creation, as they would have heard formless and empty, tohu abohu, as they would have, have looked to see that they would have, there would have been an anticipation, like what is God going to do as he hovers over the water? And what we're going to see play out for the next seven days of creation is how God fills, how God separates, and how God makes creation. Okay, when I say seven days of creation, what I mean by that is seven days of creation. And what I mean by seven days of creation, when I say seven days, is... I mean days as in the sense that this is the time period. These are the categories in which the author of Genesis kind of breaks things down for us. I don't believe that they were seven literal days. Okay, it's going to be interesting because the sun's not created till day four. So it's really unclear what we were revolving around for the first three days. So kind of hard to measure it as a 24-hour day for the first three days because there's no sun. Okay, the sun doesn't come until day four. And so, but what I do believe is that, that Genesis is not meant to be a science textbook. But what we're reading right now will be Hebrew poetry. 
And maybe that's why tohu abohu rhymes, right? You're like, oh yeah, maybe. I don't know if it's like poetry like that, which is all that I poetry I know how to read, right? Shel Silverstein, where the sidewalk ends. <laughs> okay, that got more than, more than Dickens. Like, come on, people. You guys all need to go read Tale of Two Cities um, and Lord of the Flies. Oh my gosh, right? <laughs> Anyways, anyways, anyways. So we're going to talk about the, the seven days. I have the seven days here behind me so that we can see them and so that you just kind of know what's coming up. And so the seven days we're going to see, uh, day one, we're going to get light and darkness. Day two, we're going to get water and sky. Day three, we're going to get land and sea. Okay, it's very interesting because on the first three days, what we see is that, that these are the three days in which the Lord is separating things. He separates light from darkness, water from sky, land from sea. And then in the next three days of creation, what he does is he then fills those things in which he has separated. So you can hit the next slide. Oh, they're color-coded. Wow. Um, can you guys see that? I'm really bad with colors, so I just trust that they're color-coded. Um, they're all gray to me. Um, but <laughs> today I played golf with my brothers. My dad's also colorblind. And my, my other brother, Jonathan, was handing out Gatorades. He's like, do you want gray or gray? <laughs> I was like, I hope one of them's white because I want the cherry one. Why is the cherry one white? That doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Um, yeah, is it... Cherry, is a cherry white? Glacier. Glacier. Okay, so a glacier might be white, but if you put it, like you mash a cherry up in a glacier, it's going to be red. Yeah, so. Anyway, so day one goes with day four. So light and darkness, sun, moon, and stars. Day two, water and sky. We get fish and birds. Day three, land and sea. We get animals and humans for day six. And so you're going to see like this chiasm. And, and you're going to see a pattern in the Hebrew poetry as the author of Genesis is laying out that, that in the beginning, God is the one who did these things. Now you need to understand that this is who God is and this is what God does. And so let's take a look at them. Uh, let's start in verse 3. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. God saw that the light was good, and he separated the light from the darkness, and God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning the first day. Verse 6, And God said, Let there be a vault between the waters to separate water from water. And so God made the vault and separated the water from under the vault to the, to the water un, above it, and it was so. God called the vault sky, and there was evening, and there was morning the second day. And God said, let the water under the sky be gathered to one place and let dry ground appear. And it was so. And so God called the dry ground land, and he gathered the waters he called seas, and God saw that it was good. Then God said, let the land produce vegetation, seed-bearing plants and trees on the land that bear fruit with seed in it according to their various kinds. And it was so. The land produced vegetation, plants bearing seed according to their kinds, with trees bearing fruit with seed in it according to their kinds. And God saw that it was good, and there was evening, and there was morning the third day. Now maybe as you've been reading this, there's been a couple of key phrases that have jumped out to you. And you're like, wait a minute, he keeps repeating the same thing over and over again. Good. That is good, active reading. As we look at the text and as we, as we discern what the text is trying to teach us, what is the author, what is the narrator trying to teach us, there are certain phrases that should jump out at us. Days, evening, and morning, and it was good, God says. 
We see separates. We see that God names things. So let's continue to look for those themes as we check out the second half of the poem. Verse 14. And remember, day four goes with day one. Day five is going to go with day two. Day six is going to go with day three. And God said, Let there be lights in the vault of the sky to separate the day from the night and let them serve as signs to mark sacred times. Isn't that fascinating that even from the very beginning, the Lord is marking sacred times for the people so they can know when to worship, so they can know when to remember, so they can know when to celebrate. That from the beginning of creation, like as the, as the author of Genesis tells us, as the narrator lays it out for us, that there will be sacred times for you. And Kyle, can I say that you are probably on the precipice of one of those sacred times? As you set what your calendar will be, as you set what your semester will look like, as you mark these sacred times, how will you mark them? I digress. And says, in days and years, and let, them, let, let there be lights in the vault of the sky to give light to the earth, and it was so. God made two great lights, the greater light to govern the day and the lesser light to govern the night. He also made the stars. God set them in the vault of the sky to give light on the earth, to govern the day and the night, and to separate the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening, and there was morning the fourth day. I find it fascinating on the fourth day that we know that it's the sun, moon, and stars, but the narrator doesn't call them the sun and moon. And I believe that one of the reasons why the narrator doesn't name the sun and moon in the way that God will name all the other things throughout creation is because the sun and moon were worshipped around the Hebrew people. The sun and moon were, were deities amongst people around them, and that the narrator is going out of his or her way to let us know that God is the one who is above all of those things. That they will not even be named because Yahweh is so much greater, because Jehovah, because the God who did this is the one and only. Let's continue. And God said, Let the water teem with living creatures and let birds fly above the earth across the vault of the sky. So God created the great creatures of the sea and every living thing with, with which the water teems and that moves about in it according to their kinds. And every winged bird according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. God blessed them and said, Be fruitful and increase in number and fill the water in the seas and let the, <laughs> let the birds increase on the earth. And there was evening... And there was morning the fifth day. Birds must mean dinosaurs, right? Uh, verse 24, God said, that was not funny. I'm sorry. I take it back. I take it back. It's too, it was too much. I went, I went too far too fast, and so I, I take it back. Just, I'm going to take it. I mean, it's not even going to be in the podcast. I'm going to take it out of the podcast. You won't, you won't even know that this moment happened. And so, clip, clip. And God said, let the land produce living creatures according to their kinds, the livestock, the creatures that move along the ground, and the wild animals, each according to its kind. And it was so. God made the wild animals according to their kinds, and the livestock according to their kinds, and all the creatures that move along the ground according to their kinds. And God saw that it was good. Verse 26, then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky. Flip. Anybody got the NIV thin line? You should have turned the page there. Uh, and livestock, again, that wasn't funny. Sorry. I'm just, I thought I was on, and I'm not. It's okay. Um, and all the wild animals that move around the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, and 
I'm not going to read all. Yeah, I will. And said, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth, subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and every living creature that moves on the earth. Then God said, I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every tree that has fruit with seed in it. They will be yours for food. And to all the beasts of the earth and the birds in the sky and all the creatures that move along the ground, everything that has the breath of life in it, I give every green plant for food. And it was so. God saw all that he had made, and it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. Interesting enough, we have a chapter here. I don't know why. Uh, Thus the heavens and earth were completed in all their vast array. Verse 2, by the seventh day, God had finished the work that he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all of his work. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. Whew, there you go. You have now read one chapter of the Bible today. Great job. You can mark it off on your calendars. I read a chapter of the Bible today. If you just continue at this pace, it will only take you four years to read the whole Bible. Like, is that encouraging or is that discouraging? Who can say? (laughs) Yes, it's up to you. Um, So we just looked at the seven days of creation as the narrator of Genesis laid it out for us. And this beautiful sense of Hebrew poetry and the sense of of separates and fills that we've seen the God who has, has hovered over what was chaos, has hovered over what was empty, and he separated things out. He has brought order. Then he created things and set them in it. The things that he separated, he then filled. Because this is who God is. He's a God who is creative. He's a God who separates. He's a God who fills. He's a God who does good things. I'm not going to spend a lot of time talking about the creation of humanity. We're going to learn about humanity next week. So now you've got to come back, right? Because you're all like, what's going to happen with the people? Uh, like, what, what are their names going to be? I wonder if it's going to be Adam and Eve. Uh, it is. Uh, it's a spoiler alert. Uh, you may have already read ahead. Great job, Brooke. Thanks. Um, and, but what I, what I do want to do at the beginning of a semester, as you think about your life, as you think about the choices that maybe you've made over this past weekend, as you think about the, the decisions that you've been making, as you've thought about how you're going to define your college years, you are at the beginning of a semester. You are at, the, at a point in time right now where you can choose how you will write your story, where you can choose what will be the major pieces that you will put in your story, and then you will be able to look back and say, that was good. And so maybe there are some things in your life that you need to separate, that you need the Lord to help you remove, that you need to be cut out from your life because they have not been helpful. And as they have mixed together, you have found yourself more in a state of chaos than in a state of order. And maybe there are some places in your life where you need the Lord to fill We need the Lord to come in and bring healing. We need the Lord to come in and bring wholeness. We need the Lord to speak good things into existence. And so I just want to give some space at the beginning of the semester as the band comes back up for us to respond and see what would the Lord do for us as Chi Alpha? What would the Lord do for us as core groups? What would the Lord do for us as individuals As we set out to say, this beginning would be yours, Lord. What would it look like for you to say, this semester, I'm going to believe that God has good things in store for me, and I'm going to let him make the decisions about what my days, what my weeks, 
what my priorities will be, because I believe that God is a God who creates and a God who creates good things. So you can all stand. The band is going to play. They're going to sing. I'm going to welcome you to sing with them. But I'm also going to welcome you, if you just need some moments just to think and to process and say, man, there are some things in my life that I just feel like I need separated from. I need to get away from those. They have not brought good things to me. They have not brought good things for me. And they have left me feeling more empty than before. And when I tried to fill it myself, it just didn't work. And maybe there would be some places in your life where you're like, you know what, Lord, I just haven't really let you in there. And so I want to invite the Lord into those moments right now and say, Lord, would you fill this place? And the way that you filled uh, the heavens and the earth, and the way that you filled the, the sky, and the way that you, you filled the, the sea and, and everything in it, God, would you fill this place of my life? I want to give it all to you because you're the God who has created everything and I believe that you want good things for me. If you feel like you want someone to pray with you, I want you to know that the, the staff are scattered throughout the room, the people that came with you would love to pray with you. If you've never prayed before, they would love to just, just walk with you through that and pray with you and pray for you. Um, but yeah, let's respond for a few moments and then I'll come back up to close out our night.